0: This is an ABC podcast. This is Roots and Shoots, Gardening, on ABC Radio Perth and WA.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. Christine Leighton here with Mark Tuchek in the studios for Sabrina Hahn, who's away for one more week. Hello, Mark. Hello, and wasn't it, it was just brilliant to hear Costa and Millie at the 23rd Nanup Flower and Garden Festival uh, with the amazing Siobhan Maiden. And so funny to hear them talk about the knitted Costa dolls at the local butcher. How oh, great no. is that?
2: Can you imagine that? Little knitted Costas all around the joint. So Yeah,
1: I really <laughs> want one, but we're 250-odd kilometres away. Um, 1300 2 720 is the number if you have a question for Mark. And I did hear Wombat call up, and it's about... Line out of Hopeton. So I thought that perhaps we could start by answering his question uh, to Costa and Millie, which was Can you grow tulips in Hopeton? What, what, what's, your, what's your verdict, Mark?
2: Well, I think you can, but the, the, the trick is to make sure if you get your little tulip bulbs, to make sure you um, put them in the crisper to cool store them before you plant them. So they need about six weeks in the, the cool store in the fridge, and if you do that and you buy healthy bulbs, they'll flower. You know, so they'll flower anywhere, like Millie mentioned before. Um, if you're going to put them in a pot, uh, use a good quality potting mix. And if in the ground, make sure it's a good draining uh, soil. They don't want to be too wet while they're dormant and, uh, yeah, they'll grow there.
1: So you reckon Wombat can still get it done?
2: Wombat can do it.
1: There you go. Good news, mate. Thirteen hundred triple 720 or send us a text zero four three 720. It is really cold around some parts of the state, not everywhere up north is, isn't doing too badly but I spoke to uh, producer from Regional Drive, Jack Schmidt, who made his way up Bluff Knoll this morning. Wow. I spoke to him at 6.25 in the morning and there was flurries 200 metres from the peak, so we've seen a few incredible photos come, come up of um you know little snowmen no quackers yet no, no jumping
2: through the snow like you know, eastern states you know or kangaroos are going through those snow fields
1: oh, did you see that video of the the really muscly kangaroo oh. shivering in the snow in victoria it was oh it was i did so sad
2: well, no oh. it, it was pretty impressive you know it was a great photo gosh
1: and he was just Oh, if you didn't see it, he was just standing there shivering, and I just wanted to go out and give him a hug, which probably isn't recommended, is it? People zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty. Uh, we've got lots of texts coming in. We'll get to those shortly. Uh, you brought in some pot plants for us. Mark, um, spring is you know upon us. Yes. Um, what have you got here?
2: Well, I thought I'd uh, bring in a, a touch of uh, spring. And I thought I'd bring in a few bronies because they always smell like spring, don't they? Mm. Uh, The the brown brony I've got here, uh, Brony Megastigma, and this is a dwarf form called Heaven Scent. And they're just going to be in garden centres very shortly, in the next few weeks. You can see just little buds starting to open. Yeah, they're
1: beautiful, aren't they? So it's kind of – they're like (laughs) uh, downward-facing flowers with – they look, you know, like ink black kind of petals with a green center, and the scent is just beautiful. That's it. Yeah, I can't transfer that through the microphone for you, but I, I, re- I remember that scent from being a little girl running through those bushes and probably destroying them. But um, they're, they're good for spring.
2: Uh, terrific. And a lot of people worry about them, keeping them alive, you know. The uh, main thing with bronias is uh, keep a cool root run, don't let them dry out. Uh, they're good in a pot. But even if you bought it as a living bunch of flowers, and you've got you know a month's worth out of it, it's got fantastic value. So, bronia's excellent,
1: very nice. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Uh, let's start with this text here from Russell in North Perth. Um, he says uh, it looked good two weeks ago, but fell over. It. Uh, is it downy mildew, and how do I treat or prevent? Uh, and we're looking at a photo of
2: a tomato. Well, yeah, it's just too cold for the tomatoes. I'm surprised they must be growing in a, in a warm position. Unfortunately, tomatoes get every wog under the sun and it's compounded this time of the year because it's just too cold for them. Yeah. So really, I would suggest you wait a little bit. Um, it won't be long before new tomatoes are in the stores. Uh, get yourself a new one start again. Okay.
1: Uh, Jan, experts, I want to take cuttings from a beautiful rose in a very neglected garden. Uh, how do I go about it? Is it, is it on private property, Jan? Right, <laughs> Firstly, right. I'm not sure, but what's your advice to uh, Jan?
2: Well, first, yes, uh, put the uh, the black balaclava on and sneak in there and <laughs> grab some cuttings. Um, you can do it this time of the year because um, you can take some hardwood cuttings, so just dormant pieces of of the rows. you want to get a few uh, nodes or buds in the uh, in the cutting. So usually about uh, probably about five to seven centimeters long. A little bit of rooting hormone powder on the bottom. Make sure you, when you do take the cutting, you remember which is up and which is down, uh, because if you stick it in the uh, the pot the wrong way, it won't work. And uh, a little angled cut on the top of the cutting to make sure that's pointing up. Flat at the bottom, just below the node and uh, easy to do, so right. have a go.
1: Give us a call, 1300 720, to speak to Mark, to check. Uh, This question from Marie, uh, please do you have advice on growing strawberries? Is it time to plant? Where is the best place to buy the plants and the type of soil? Tell me everything about strawberries, says Marie, Right, please.
2: Great time to plant strawberries, and there are so many different varieties. You can even get them as little uh, runners or individual potted plants, uh, they're all over the place. Any garden centre you'll go to, you'll be able to find different strawberries.
1: Best place to plant them?
2: Uh, full sun and uh, try and keep them in a spot. Uh, they're great in pots because if you can keep the fruit off the soil, either in pots or in hanging baskets, or if you've got them on the ground, probably mound them up and have a nice little um, mulch layer to keep the fruit off the actual soil is the most important thing. Easy to grow.
1: My, my daughter is loving strawberry season. You should see her. She just grabs them by the leaves and puts the whole thing in her mouth. She looks like the very hungry caterpillar and she just om, um, om, um, om um, and just eats the whole thing. She doesn't care about the white bits not having as much flavour, doesn't care about the leaves. She destroys them. Nice. So Yeah, yeah, we're just ripping through them in our household. 1300 720. Let's go to Judy who's in Subiaco. Good morning, Judy. Oh,
3: good morning. Um, <clears throat> I have quite a lot of maria and box. Japanese box hedging, and I was waiting till it warmed up to, um, you know, trim them back. But they've both of them are, are shooting away with beautiful new pale green um, shoots. And I'm just wondering if I cut them back now, will I uh, will they um, shoot again?
2: Yes, they'll shoot again. They're they're pretty hardy. Both Marea and the Japanese box are very um, hardy uh, hedging plants. Uh-huh. Um, if you have to trim them, yeah, do that. Um, yeah. Then afterwards, give them a little bit of a, a light fertilizer and a mm-hmm. wetting agent, and they'll, they'll power away yeah. when it warms up.
3: Yeah, and with the um, <coughs> the berrea, uh, how hard can I cut that back? Some of it mine's got quite leggy and and a bit woody looking at the bottom.
2: Okay, probably don't want to go back too far into the dead wood. And uh-huh. the dead wood is uh, the sticky bits without any leaves on them. Yes. So probably if you have to do it hard, maybe go down in stages. So take a third off to where the leaves are still shooting, wait for them to shoot below again and then just take it down another level. Take it a bit more. Okay. Yep.
3: All right. Thank you very much. Nice. Thanks, Judy. 1300
1: 720. 1300 720. Give us a call. Speak to Mark Tuchek, uh, who is our expert gardener for Roots and Shoots. We've got a text here saying, crispy leaves on avocado, four exclamation marks, and they are very crispy, very brown. Um, almost as if they've been through a fire. What's going on there,
2: Mark? Yeah, I can't quite tell. Is that in a pot, do you reckon? Uh, Yes, it is. Okay. So, yeah, the plant's been stressed at some point and I'd say even probably over-fertilised. You've got to be careful with plants in confined areas. Um, Even though they need a bit of fertiliser, they don't need a lot. So I'd say it's been burnt. The best thing to do would be to pull it out of that pot, put some fresh potting mix in the bottom for the avocado, Replant it, and you'll find that those old daggy leaves will just drop off, and it should come good again. Okay, yep.
1: uh, Jenny and in Inglewood, arg, what is my, what is <laughs> annoying? Uh, what is flipping off my protective frames and digging in my blueberry pot? Oh, I see. Oh, with you now? Flipping. Yeah, right. I'm with you. I thought it
2: was like. Yeah, flipping. I thought it was.
1: Yeah. Uh, I thought she was substituting a word. Um, so, okay, what we're seeing is a beautiful ceramic pot. Yep. Um, three sets of black grids to try and stop. Uh, something from getting into the pot. And what kind of plant is that, Mark?
2: It's a blueberry. So it is. She
1: did say that already now. Uh, and there's a great big hole. Someone's been digging around in that. What do you think?
2: Wow. And it's it's quite a large pot, too. So something's been jumping up and having a bandicoot in that pot.
1: Yeah. Good well, question. Who, I, who wants to get into blueberry roots, do you think? <laughs> I don't
2: know. Yeah. Don't know. That's so weird. I've uh, never seen that before. And uh, they've done a good job at it. So. Mystery.
1: The the plant is still alive, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's still looking good, but it must be really annoying, Jenny. Um, CCTV, um, I know, is is something that Sabrina would recommend or infrared cameras or uh, some kind of monitoring system if you can hire or or get from a friend to find out what's going on. But nothing really jumps out to you, Mark?
2: No, because Jenny's in Inglewood, so that's quite in a suburbia, so... I really don't know, yeah. You'd have to set up some little cameras or something like that, like you said.
1: Okay. 1300 720. Sue is from Hocking. Good morning, Sue.
4: Hi, Sue. Oh, good morning to you both. Hello. What's um, your question? Well, I've got some azaleas which have flowered beautifully. I've been putting a lot of fertiliser on them and they've been magnificent. But some of them are very leggy. I was just wondering after they've
2: stop flowering how much can i prune them back yes the same uh probably uh, thing as the the hedging lady uh you don't want to go back too hard into uh dead wood so you can certainly prune them back so where they've still got leaves left on them prune back down to that stage and if you find that they're starting to shoot from below that again you can actually go back again after that
4: Oh, terrific. Thank you. And what about camellias? Can I prune them?
2: You don't really need to unless you feel you have to. Um, Why do you want to prune them?
4: Oh, because where I grow both these is at the side of the house and I've got netting um, shade cloth over them and they've reached the height of the shade cloth. That's why I need to trim them.
2: Yes. Well, I'd wait a little bit later on, so do that a little bit later in spring uh, into the warmer weather.
4: Okay, terrific.
1: Thank you very much. No Thanks, Sue. 1300 720 on the text line. Marion Winthrop, can this be treated in my bird's nest fern? Mum and Dad had heaps of these um, and it's kind of shown a, a leaf that's got light brown with darker brown spots and stripes. What's going on there?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's a bit hard to say, but I reckon it would have been better to have a photo from the other side. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, um, the spore on the back of the bird's nest fern. And sometimes even like the big um, elkhorns and staghorn uh, beetles get into that spore, they like to uh, kind of ferret around and make a mess of the, the plant. I think after it finishes uh, spawning like that, uh, just cut them off and a little bit of a, a liquid fertiliser will help regenerate that. All Those bottom ones you can just prune them off, and the new ones that come out the top they'll be fine,
1: okay. Uh, thanks for the text, Mary. Uh, someone has suggested perhaps it could be a quenda that's getting into Jenny's blueberry.
2: It's true, it could be. I'd um, love to see that on camera, yeah. But uh, in Inglewood, I suppose, yeah, yeah, there
1: you go. yeah, I might be hungry. 1300 222 720. Kevin is in Bustleton. Good morning, Kevin. Yeah,
5: hey, good morning, panel. Uh, I've got a Silver princess that's about three metres tall on a very slim stem and starting to weep fall over. And just wondered, could I chop it off near ground level so it would spread out with more um, stems?
2: Okay. So Eucalyptus caesia, silver princess, uh, they do regenerate. If you actually wanted to trim it right off, Um, they regenerate um, through fires like that and send up new shoots. They're a weeping plant anyway, Kevin, so they will you know, uh, weep over and fall over. So staking, you know, would probably be good to us to um, initiate it. But if you want to get more shoots, you can cut it off at ground level and it'll reshoot for you.
6: Okay, thanks very much. No worries.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Thirteen hundred triple 720. Mark is in Spearwood. Hello, Mark.
6: Hello, Christine and Mark. Um, My question is about pittosporum as a hedge. Yes. So um, I'm actually helping a friend tidy up their front garden, and they had five of them in a row that were about two metres tall. Um, One had died and they'd taken out completely. When I went to visit the other day, the second one, next to the the first one that died, it was all uh, brown sticks and dead, and the third one was about halfway gone, and... I sort of said to myself, to me it looks like there's something maybe in the soil that's kind of spreading slowly along the whole hedge. Um, So I guess my question was, should I take out the one that's already dead and the one that's dying, and is it likely to be a soil issue, or is it possibly something else? Uh,
2: Probably not a soil issue, I don't think. Uh, The trick with uh, pitosporums or pitosporums, depends on what side of the fence you sit on, they they, they they do suffer from cholera rot quite easily, so if the level of the soil or mulch or whatever up, is up against the trunk, that affects them long-term. And they've got a very fibrous root system which tends to make the soil underneath them very water-repellent. So um, even with Both all the... of
6: Those sound like problems. The, the mulch is always kind of heaped up in kind of piles, not, not, not done sort of neatly in the garden. And, yeah, when I look, noticed it, it was... That you know that hydrophobic where it just looks so dry, nothing will, will go into it.
2: Yeah. So yeah, on the money there. So pull that mulch away from the, the stem or the base of the plant down to where you can actually expose the roots, and a good wetting agent's really beneficial. You know, even with all this rain that we have, our hydrophobic soils are terrible for dry pockets of ground. Um, so a wetting agent's very beneficial during the warmer months.
6: Okay, great, because the, the dry section is, even with all the rain, even last night when I went past this morning, it was just absolutely bone dry. It was wow, yeah. that bad, hey? that. It wasn't even, like, damp. It was just bone dry, like, it'd in the middle of summer.
1: Yeah, well, it's good of you to help them out with it, Mark. Um, good luck. Hope, hopefully you can Thanks get God. it all sorted. Uh, Mark from Spearwood, 1300 2 720.
0: Roots and Shoots. Gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA.
1: Give us a call, 1300 720 Christine Layton and Mark Tuchek. Broadcasting across WA, the text line 0437922720. Lots coming in. Sally's in the hills in Perth Hills and wants to know. I've just planted a chocolate lily, which is a Tucker bush plant. Uh, what do I need to do to look after it? And you've actually got one in your tray, punnet. What do you call that when you carry six plants in? I oh,
2: know it's one of my little basket of plants. Here's, basket, yes. Here's one I prepared earlier, Christine. <laughs> look at so, that. There okay, we
1: go. for those who don't know what it is, <coughs> here we go. It's it's it. It almost looks like the top of a spring onion that's been sized down with beautiful purple flowers. Um, and oh, let me get this tag out, hang on, without destroying the plant. Or the, no, gonna, I can't. It's really attached quite I solidly. Know, you, you
2: just bend it over. There we go.
1: So dicophogon strictus. Yes.
2: Yeah, so it's also called Arthropodium strictus too. So the chocolate lily is a fantastic local WA plant. Uh, it actually comes from uh, Eastern Australia as well. It's a little bulbous plant. has a beautiful purple flower. It smells just like chocolate. It's just amazing. There's a few plants um, that smell great like chocolate. Chocolate cosmos is another one. But this one's really fantastic.
1: No flowers on this one, so I can't smell it and tell you whether Mark is is telling the truth or not, people. But I'll take your word for it. So it tolerates sandy soil and dry weather. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. So what else um, does Sally need to do?
2: Well, really, because it's... Uh, because it 's in that tucker bush range it 's actually the tubers that you eat, Yep. so the local Noongar people would dig down, get the tubers, and taste um, you can eat them raw, um, seems such like a shame to you know, sacrifice a plant, but you can actually wait till it 's bigger and divide it, so you don 't have to destroy the whole plant uh, to get to the tubers, and uh, they taste a little bit um, a little bit like coconut, I guess, so purple. Uh, Purple flowers, chocolate-smelling uh, flowers, and little white tubers that you can eat.
1: Yeah, right. Thanks for the text, Sally. Zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty. Jenny in Inglewood isn't sure whether it's rats that are digging into her blueberries.
2: Yes, could be rats. Um, Pretty big hole. It was a big hole, yeah. and uh, yeah, dirty rats.
1: <laughs> well said, Mark. Well said. Let's go to Judy, who is in Northcliffe. Good morning, Judy.
7: Good morning. Um, I've got a problem growing um, the red onions. This is the third um, year I've tried to grow them and they're going to seed too early and um, because they've already started going to seed, when shall I harvest the onion?
2: Oh, okay. So what do you fertilise them with, Judy?
7: Um, Just use the organic um, pellets.
2: Okay. And do you put them in the same spot in the garden? No. You Uh, you kind of rotate them around?
7: Yeah. I've got a... um, sort of a very um a big grain sandy soil, and um i i I just add compost my own compost to it and um and I try and mulch them as well
2: yeah okay uh phew, bit tricky um I'd need to see a photo i think or something like that of yours um you know if they're bolting early um yeah, it could be a nutritional thing um Yeah, I'm not really
4: sure, to tell you the truth, Judy.
2: Do you want to send
1: us a photo, Judy? If we um, pop you back through to to Molly, do you have a photo you could send us? Yeah, yeah.
4: uh, Yeah,
7: there's nothing to see really, but they're smallish. They're not big enough to harvest yet, and and they're already throwing up the... Some of them are throwing up the um, seed thing. Yeah.
2: Definitely uh, a, a nutrition thing, so, you know, because a lot of veggies, they really need a lot of consistent water and fertiliser in order to produce properly. Yeah. So if they've been starved a little bit and they've had a hard life, you know, they're uh, wanting to, you know, flower early and not produce that um, nice red uh, bulb uh, for your onion. So I think that could be the reason.
1: Yeah. Send us through a photo if you can, Judy. 1300 720. 1300 720. It's 25 minutes past nine. Uh, let's have a chat to Peter in Palmyra. Good morning, Peter.
2: Yeah, good morning. G'day.
5: Um, a while ago, I bought my daughter a nice uh, fiddle leaf. Yes. Um, her dog took an exceptional liking to it, and it's eaten it right down to the base. So uh, I've decided to pick it up and take it home, and i like some ideas on how to resurrect it.
2: Okay. Uh, well, pretty hard to kill, these fiddle leaf figs, so if there's um, signs of life on it. So what you could do, Peter, is just scratch the bark... And if it's still yep. green underneath, are there any leaves on it at all? Or
6: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's three really small
5: leaves. It, it, it shoots, but every
2: time she um, shoots on it again. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, well, if, if it's shooting away, you'll be able to revive it. So um, possibly repot it into some fresh potting mix. Um, this time of the year, they actually can take full sun. Um, yep. Normally they take part shade, um, especially in summer, but this time of the year it's not very... Bright, and uh, just repot it, and it'll reshoot. And then you'll have to put a metal cage around it when you give it back, or something.
5: Uh, what about a bit of sea salt bit of uh, fertilizer?
2: Yep, that'll do. That'll that'll help it. Yep. yep.
5: Excellent.
2: All right. Thank you very
1: much, Pat. Good Good luck with it, Peter. 1,300, 720. Fiddle leaf figs are very popular at the moment, aren't they, in terms of being an indoor plant? And and I've heard a few callers ask about them. And I think Sab has said previously that the mistake some people make is not giving them enough sun, and so they die inside or they get get a bit of disease.
2: Sure. The idea, um, they're pretty tough because fiddle leaf figs have uh, like a thick, leathery leaf. Yeah. Anything like that with a green leaf, is quite a good indoor plant and uh, they're really quite tough. So, if you rotate them, if you've got two, you can rotate them if your one's uh, a bit sickly and they not like a nice, well lit position, so close to a window. Yep. Um, and as long as you don't over watering, uh, over watering is the biggest cause of plant death. <laughs> Uh, after, after lack of water. Too much
1: love. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> 1300, triple two. 720, Gavin in Walpole. How do I tell when my pineapple is right to harvest?
2: Oh, good question. So I guess it's really just wait until it's, you know, the, the plant's big enough. Um,
1: is it the plant or the fruit that gives you the clue, the fruit?
2: Well, it's actually, you know, the, the swollen you know, bulb at the bot- bottom of the pineapple. Um tch don't know if there's actually signs that uh, give it away, so I have to research that one, but okay. I just have to wait till you've got a decent sized pineapple to harvest.
1: I reckon there'd be someone out there who knows. Send us a text nine double two seven twenty. Also impressed you're growing that in Walpole, Gavin. Yeah. Um, Dominic said um, is there anything I can spray on my lawn it's full of Bindi. Uh, Bindi. I don't want to kill my lawn obviously since <coughs> Dominic.
2: Yes, so there are proprietary sprays for Bindi and uh, Yes. Don't usually recommend um, spraying, but if you've got a bad infestation, uh, picking them out is really difficult. So there are proprietary sprays that will not kill your, your lawn, but will kill the bindi. But if you don't do anything, you'll get heaps of weeds. You won't be able to walk on it. And that's the whole point of a lawn. So, you know, better control it.
1: Okay. Uh, this text, my lilypilly hedge has the new pink leaves all bubbly. What can I do, please?
2: Yeah, so that's probably, um, psyllids. A lot of lilypillies are prone to psyllid. Uh, it's a little sap-sucking pest that likes the, the soft, juicy new growth that comes out. Uh, probably don't have to do a lot. It, it is a little bit ugly. Um, you can trim them. Um, sometimes those, um, kind of like white oil sprays are beneficial to stop that but um yeah i wouldn't do too much but just put up with it kind of thing
1: okay uh let's go to jill in balga good morning jill
0: g'day it's actually gil oh it's gil <laughs>
1: sorry about that gil <laughs> with you now very long good time. <laughs> what's I've your question long time, oh. <laughs> okay.
0: i um i've got some uh, a passion fruit vine which is pretty big and fairly healthy but um, it grows beautiful, big uh, fruit on it each year, but they don't ripen. It just doesn't get to the point where it ripens, and they just drop off, and that's the end of it. Um, I'm wondering what, yeah, you know, what do I got to do to you know, get a, yeah, uh, you know, get a, a, a sunlight out or something to, to get them going? I don't know. It's uh...
2: yeah. Is it in full sun? pasture fruit gets full sun.
0: Well, yeah, they do get full sun. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay, and you're talking about this time of year, or just generally, like in summer as well.
0: Well, in the summertime, they you know they'll flower and then they'll the fruit will come out, but it's towards the end of summer, and then they uh, the fruit will will get large, and uh, then they just don't brown up; they stay green, and that's the end of it.
2: Well, they can, um, t- and and when when you pick them. Uh, is, the th- is the skin kind of woody? Is it thick inside or...?
0: Yeah, it's thicky it's and pulpy around the, um, you know, the outside, the, the casing. And then um, inside, the well, it just doesn't come to the point where it's ripe. It doesn't yellow up and, you know, the, the sort of whitish-looking seeds.
2: Right. <clears throat> OK, well, this certainly this time of the year they, they won't ripen up because it's not warm enough and uh, so you'll get that. But during summer or end of autumn... Uh, If your plant is producing fruit that's really woody, uh, there is a condition called passion fruit woodiness and it's to do with um, stress during the formation of the fruit. So if it's in a windy spot or if there's not enough water, because passion fruit are mainly made up of water. Mm. uh, So if there's not enough water accessing the plant during that time of fruit development, uh, or the plant gets stressed and things like that, so they need high amounts of fertiliser, uh, potash type fertilizers regular watering underneath the drip line and uh yeah it's it's really one of those things and if they get too old too they get woody as well so if the passion fruit's more than five you know four or five years old they, the fruit gets woody on them too you has got to start again
1: how old is it gill <laughs> oh,
0: four or five year old
2: yeah it's probably coming to the end of its life too so um yeah, there, there are different varieties that you can buy when it starts to warm up. So um, I think there's one called Sun, Sunshine Special, which is a good one. Um, might be worth reinvesting a new one in the meantime.
1: Thanks, Gil. Thirteen hundred triple 720 Lots of texts coming in too. Uh, we'll get to those in just a minute. It is time for Pick of the Week. Right. And, and we were organised this week and you've got an old classic.
2: Well, I thought... You know, gardening's a bit like, you know, it should be easy, you know, and uh, we're, we're on the ABC. <laughs> should be, it
1: should be easy, but it's our most popular talkback program. <laughs> it should be easy. So
2: this is uh,
1: guidance this, needed. <laughs> this
2: is uh, ABC by the Jackson Five.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Give us a call, 1300 720.
5: ABC TV's Les Norton
0: has the critics going wild. Must see, captivating, great retro fun. So you don't muck around, do you? David Wynnum. Part of the team now. Call me boss. Rebel Wilson. There's got to be a massive misunderstanding.
4: Bloody oath there has.
0: And Alexander Bertram. I'm Les Norton. You like hurting black steel, Les Norton? Not especially. Could have fooled me. Les
5: Norton continues Sunday 8.40 on ABC TV and iView.
1: It is 25 minutes to 10. Roots and Shoots on ABC Radio, Perth and WA. We've got Mark Tuchek in the studios for Roots and Shoots until 10 o'clock. Give us a call, 1300 222 720. Uh, The mystery of Jenny from Inglewood's uh, Hole in the Blueberry continues. This submission uh, from Agent 908, uh, it's definitely rat's. This person says, I've had the same problem for two years. I originally thought it was a quenda, but unfortunately um, equals are digging the holes. They are either digging for the roots, worms, or crickets, this person says. So Mm. Jenny, if you're still listening, um, it sounds like you might've been right. It could be the rats, even though it's an enormous hole. Yes. Um, Joe in Albany on the text line, how do I get my pineapple to fruit? It's in a greenhouse.
2: Okay. So that's an interesting one. Um, See, Pineapples are bromeliads and it's certainly usually like a gas that helps them initiate flowering or, you know, the, the fruiting. So um, I think it's used to – it was either like ethylene gas or something like that. Um, so some gases that are produced like – it'd be like bananas, you know, how they ripen and you put other things with it mm. – um, I'd have to research a bit more, but I think it's to do like with the gas to help it um, initiate.
1: Pineapple's are your kryptonite this morning, Mark. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Quickly, little things. <laughs> oh, nice! Well done. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. John is in Caranup and has been waiting patiently. Good morning, John.
5: Oh, good morning, uh, Mark and Christine. Um, just a question regarding my citrus plants. They're not really quite trees yet, but I've got a couple of lemon. And a couple of lime, and uh, they started to flower beautifully a few weeks ago. And then suddenly, um, when the um, the, uh, the fruit was starting to form, um, something's been uh, um, pruning them, uh, eating all the, the small little fruit and, mm. and also the flowers. So they completely disappeared overnight. I'm just wondering whether you had any insight as to what could be
1: uh, eating it. What <laughs> trail have they left, John?
5: Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
1: They didn't put any money in the uh, the money box either. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds brutal,
2: John. Um, <laughs> sounds like those dirty rats are going from Inglewood to Carina <laughs> and chewing on those lemons yeah, and limes. Fifteen minutes,
1: yep.
5: Yeah. I know.
2: Oh. I, I would. Very s- tiny fruit,
5: you know, when they form from the flower. Yeah, uh, you can hardly see them, and
2: uh, but they must have been attracted to something. Uh, well, you get rats do get into citrus, so um, maybe, maybe not at that stage, but possibly. Um, but you'll get a lot of you know parrots and things like that might just decide to nip on the buds and things like that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to blame the rats. Let's blame the rats this morning.
5: Mm, mm. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, it could be parrots. I thought it may have been parrots,
2: but yeah. Is there I any
5: way
1: to any... to tell Mark by the two marks or what's left on the ground? Well,
2: or... I'm not clever enough to be able to tell. Maybe you can. Maybe there are people out there that can tell.
1: Okay. How long's it been um, happening, John? Uh, this is about the. Uh, I've only. It's been in
5: the ground for about 18 months, and so this is the second lot of flowering. It's happened, so this is the first time. But um, in all the years that I've uh, I've never been successful with citrus, so I think I've grown four lemons
2: in the last 40 years.
1: Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. No. Um, if it is rats, what can, what can John do, Mark?
2: Yeah, well, really, there are certainly lots of different baits that you can use. I tend to mix up the baits, and make sure you look for ones that um, – that aren't detrimental to owls, owls yes. eating them as well. Right. So look on the packet, and it'll usually tell you which sure. one to use. Yep. All, All right.
1: right. Well,
3: thanks for your help.
1: Good luck, Go on. John. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Uh, Nan is in Bunbury. Hi, Nan.
3: Oh, good morning. I have beetroot problems. Oh. I have them growing, but no, they're not forming at the bottom.
2: Oh. Okay.
1: So you beat top. Oh, that was a bad joke,
2: Nan, that's right, let's just move on Um,
3: What's happening then, Mark?
2: Well, what what do you fertilise them with, Nan?
3: Well, I I just heavily fertilise the ground itself I haven't sort of fertilised them with anything poured, You
2: know, liquid fertilisers No, so you don't know what type of fertiliser or? Oh, just a compost Just a compost, okay Yeah, they probably need a little bit more than that. Um, Compost is good to start them off, um, but beetroots, because they're like a little uh, root vegetable, you've got to use a balanced fertiliser, and liquid fertilisers, like I was saying before, with vegetables, uh, the more love they get, the better they taste, the better they perform. Um, Using one that's got a little bit of phosphorus in it, in a veggie patch, is very beneficial for beets. Right. Okay.
3: Okay.
6: Thank you. Thanks,
1: Nan. 1300 720. I love it when this happens. You put a question out there, you get lots of great texts. Um, on the topic of pineapple ripeness, Barb said, it was recommended to me that we pull out a spike at the top. If it comes easily, it is ripe. If it is hard, it is not Um, Yep, June said the same thing. Helen said, pineapples are yellow, just picked an eaten one, (laughs) superb. And a beautiful photo here from Catherine in Murdoch. I just harvested my pineapple that has been growing since January. I waited until it smelled like a pineapple and it tasted good, but not as sweet as I'd like. Well, it looks pretty good to me, Catherine. Um, Next to a a pair of clippers, right? Nice. Yeah, beautiful. 0437922720. Louise from Cannington said the same thing. As did Les from Jero. Nice to see your texts. Give us a call, 1300 222 720. Dave is in Mundaring. Good morning, Dave.
5: Good
0: Hello, Dave. morning. Good morning. Um, I'm up in Mundaring and I have a gardenia in a pot, in a terracotta pot, and it's looking beautiful. It's got very tight buds, but and they've been on the plant probably for about two or three, four weeks now, and they don't seem to be opening. Is there anything you can suggest I can do to get them to open up?
2: Um, uh, you can turn the sun up a little bit if you can. Yeah. Um, does it get – is it in a sunny spot or is it in the shade?
0: It gets – it's on a veranda. It gets full morning sun up until about, I suppose, about 11 o'clock.
2: Yeah. Um, probably not much you can do. A little bit of – um, that, that potassium helps with flower development Um. You've got the buds there, so maybe just a little bit of potash would help. I only would do a little bit, just a liquid fertiliser, and uh, really it'll just be the the, the sun, the warmth, that'll help open open them up.
0: Okay, thanks very much for your help. No worries.
1: Thanks, Dave. 1300 720. Thank you, Colin, in Young Siding as well. About the pineapple, uh, Linda is in Pickering, Brook. Hello, Linda.
4: Hello, good morning, Mark and Christine.
1: How Hello, are you? so good. Thank you for asking. Well, uh,
4: just a, the question, Mark, did the gentle, about pineapples, did the gentleman ask how to get it to grow a pineapple or how, how he knew whether it was right? right. Uh, so there
2: th- were two questions, yeah. I think there's a, a bit of a mix-up. So it's how to tell whether... A, a pineapple is ripe, like an actual pineapple. Was the first question. Yeah, or how to get pineapples to grow fruit. and fruit and ripen. So In
1: a greenhouse was from Joe in Albany. So there were two pineapple questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I've
4: grown pineapples in the Northern Territory and oh. in central Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first it might be a bit too cold but yes if you've got it in a greenhouse they they take at least um, 18 months from putting that little top pineapple top in the ground to actually producing a pineapple mm. and how to tell well usually if you go to the supermarket and you um, the recommended is if, if so a leaf pulls out easily it's ripe but they just, when they're they're ripe and when you grow them and when they're ripe, they just blossom, they just look ripe.
1: Yeah, yeah and and as does the one that Catherine from Murdoch has sent us, it is this beautiful kind of warm orange colour underneath the spikes are a bit more yellow and the leaves are just a beautiful kind of aqua green. How long did you grow them for, Linda? Um,
4: In the territory, we were up there for six years, so I had Uh, bananas and pineapples on our bathroom leach drain so it was just an open drain and that was a way of getting water so probably we were there for six years, probably three or four years we had crop and then uh, um, I have a friend who I visit in Queensland and I just stuck some in some um, pineapple bottom you know the um, uh, the bromelade shoot bits and just um, stuck it in a pot and lo and behold you know 18 months later or however long later there, there was baby pineapples Whoa,
1: on <laughs> look at that. How do you cut them? What, what What's your uh, um, school of thought?
4: You can just cut because it'll come up out of a centre stalk, so you cut it off that stalk. Uh, but it will grow... More pups, like any bromelade, it'll grow more pups and you just plant more pups and away you go again.
1: Wonderful. Nice.
4: Uh, and Linda, like anything homegrown, it absolutely tastes
1: wonderful. Yeah, that's very true. Um, thank you for the call, Linda. 1300 222 720. Uh, lots of texts coming in too. Um, Jan in Mandra said, will partly ripen lemons ripen indoors? Fully ripe one side, green on the other.
2: Oh... They'll ripen a little bit, but not fully. So it's best to pick them when they're fully ripe. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, and uh, how do I chemically get rid of bracken fern from a garden bed that contains other plants, uh, clivia, mandarin yes. tree, etc.?
2: Mm. Uh, bracken fern, yeah, it's quite difficult because it um, has that uh, storage uh, t- t- tuberous under, underneath the ground. So really persistence um there are systemic herbicides you can use um but you really have to be vigilant so um just making sure there's no spray drift on on your desirable plants would be the main thing i'd worry about
1: another possible solution for jenny mark i think you'll appreciate this this is from greg in safety bay my dirty crow keeps those dirty rats away from my tomatoes cheap fix all plastic, and it's this—it's um, this crow, wings uh, spread out, hanging from a tree, kind of on an angle as if it's swooping, uh, which is quite clever. Yes. Uh, and if it works, it works. Hey,
2: I've never seen a crow like that before. So, uh,
1: <laughs>
2: the dirty crow,
1: thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Trish is in Rivervale. Hello, Trish.
3: Hi. How are you going, guys? Good. Good. I have a rat problem. I think.
2: Oh. <laughs> and see the, the, those rats get around, so now oh, they 're in rivervale too, so yeah,
3: tell us more We must 've traveled from Karen up bottle yeah. <laughs> um, well we 've got some beautiful hibiscus, and it seem, one of them is really tall, and it looks like something is shredding all of the stems on it, and down you know, on the paving, it looks like little matchsticks, so it looks like they 've been having a lovely gnawing time.
2: They do do that as well, those rats. Um, Yes. So would
3: it be a rat? It would, it, would,
2: it would be a rat. Yeah, well, I've got uh, apple blossom hibiscus at home. Mm. And uh, we've got these big uh, Canary Island date palms and they get in the fruit of those and they also get in the uh, the hibiscus as well. And
3: I'm really going to go
2: to my citrus. Don't tell me that. Yeah, so i probably go to the citrus as well. Um, mm.
3: Great. So, now, I've been Googling, do they hate peppermint?
2: Oh, what, you were going to serve tea
3: <laughs> um, no, I didn't think I'd be that nice to them. <laughs> Just um, some spray or some, you know, just... um, And even it says to grow mint underneath. Right. Oh.
2: Yeah, well, peppermint is actually a natural um, deterrent, so worth a try um, if okay. you want to spray it on the, the trunk and things like that where they're gnawing, gnawing away. Have a go. All
3: right, and then you're going to tell me to get rid of their environment, aren't you? Oh, no, no. It's... I, I look, I love all animals, but not
1: particularly these ones. It's no. hard, isn't it? It is really hard. And I'm getting so many texts that say the same thing. Trish, Sharon from Claremont has said, I've been very challenged by them. Uh, many suburbs have them. Uh, I'm afraid they could not co-live with my garden, both vegetables, fruits, flowers and succulents. I gave them uh, various options and, and she did manage to get rid of them. Um Yeah, so many texts coming in on the same thing, 0437922720. This from June as well. How do you use worm oil? A gift from my neighbour. Do I put it uh, on the collage or in the soil?
2: Right. So worm, well, it's worm juice really, not oil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would still dilute it down, so don't use it concentrated. So mix it with a bit of water uh, you can water it over the foliage if you like, but it's, it's just as good in the soil. So, yeah, either one of those.
1: All right, Harold's in Wembley. Good morning, Harold.
0: Good morning. How are you? Good, Today. thank you. What would you like to add? Well, I was staying at a friend's place last year, and he had an avocado tree out the back, and it was um, very annoying that that rats were gnawing away at it on a daily basis. And this year, I went to see him, and he'd solved the problem. He had a cat that I was looking after. Ah. <laughs> 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 Particularly hairy, you see. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we collected all the hair and put it in a little onion bag, you know, the onion string bags you get at the supermarket. Yes. And hung it in a tree about a metre off the ground. Yeah. No rats. Really? No
1: rats. So not the cat catching the rats, but the hair from the cat hanging oh. from the tree.
0: Enough to, enough to make them smell it and they don't go near it.
1: That's so clever, Harold, because my next question was, how do you balance having an outdoor cat with wildlife uh, and, and rats? Because, you, you know, did. yes, they catch the rats, but yeah, that. that's so brilliant. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, if anybody wants cat's fur as well, I've got a vacuum full of it. <laughs> so... you, go, you go down a cat hole <laughs> <oven. Yeah>, Exactly. <laughs> that's well, right. That, that, is that is ingenious, Harold. Thank
2: you for I'm going to be selling little uh, macrame cat balls. (laughs) Just wait, wait for those.
1: The <laughs> next big hit at the markets. That is really clever. Didn't... So if you didn't hear it, cat's fur in a little netted bag just above or just on the tree, I guess. Yeah.
2: Um, and the scent gets, gets rid of them. Just little ornaments hanging from the tree. So yeah, something else. If yeah.
1: anyone tries that and it works, let us know. Um, 1300 222 720. Erica is in Denmark. Hello, Erica. Uh, good morning, folks. Is this this Erica of Erica and Roy? That's right, yeah. Hi, Erica, everyone. Uh, This is Erica, who is so kind as to bring um, crates of persimmons and peaches into the ABC studios down in Albany, and they're all delicious and wonderful, and we put them on the gift registry, just so you know. But thank you, Erica. Uh, Gianni drove me up some persimmons some weeks ago, and they were beautiful.
7: Ah, glad you enjoyed them. Yes. Yeah. Um, a little bit on the right one. Sabrina suggested smearing a certain um, ointment that you use on chests for coals
1: uh,
7: around the edge of the pot. Mm. And when they get it on their feet, they lick it and they say, yuck.
1: Mm. Oh, okay. That's right. Yes, she, yeah. she has said that before. Yep, yeah. yep. Now, but-
7: on the bracken problem, mm. we've got rid of bracken in our uh, cattle paddocks. Uh, one is continually slashing them and they gradually get smaller and smaller and smaller until you wear the rhizome out. Yes. And the other one is simply just pulling them.
2: Yes. Yeah.
7: Okay. Small, small ones are easy to pull. Yeah. But simply just pruning them off so that they can't produce a fern.
1: Yep. All right. This is, this is lived experience. Um, thanks for the call, Erica. Nice to talk to you. All
4: right. Fine. Bye.
1: Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Uh, that's a good one for the Brackenfern as well. Um, we have eight minutes left. Sports talk is coming up at ten o'clock. Sharon Sharon Helling, uh, Wellingham is filling in for Mick Malthouse, who is away this week. You'll have Clint Wilden and Mark Duffield from ten o'clock as well. We can take a few more calls though. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Billy is in Claremont. Hi, Billy. Good morning.
4: Yep, I have a lovely old lemon tree it has been here for years. It is covered in lemons, but I need to prune it because it's got so big. Is it going to hurt it if I prune it back reasonably severely now, even though it's covered in lemons?
2: Uh, It won't hurt it, but what you might find in later years, when you really hard prune a citrus, uh, the following season it puts all its energy into growth, uh, usually at the expense of flowers and fruit. So, if you don't mind that, and wait for it to settle down a bit, um, but yeah, if you've got lemons on you, you, know, you can just still use the lemons as they are. But if you have to prune it, just go ahead.
4: Okay,
1: cheers. Thank no, you very much. No worries. Wonderful. Uh, thank you, Billy. Thirteen hundred triple two, seven twenty or zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty. Claire in Stoneville. What should I feed my mulberry, guava, and passion fruit?
6: With? Right.
2: Yeah, good time to start uh, fertilising plants now. Going into the the warmer weather, uh, traditionally they don't use the fertiliser when they're kind of dormant. Um, I like those good um, organic fertilisers that have got the um, uh, the little bud of approval, you know, their organic approved symbol on them. Mm-hmm. And for especially for fruiting plants, you know, that you're going to be eating, um, so good at slow release fertilisers, beneficial. Um, so, but just look for the little. A butt of uh, the organic association approval logo on your packets when you're purchasing the fertilizer.
1: All right, six minutes to ten.
0: Roots and shoots gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA.
1: Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. I've got Gary from Naranda on the line. Hi, Gary.
5: <coughs> good morning. Good morning. Um, Troop. From uh, good old
1: 6062, my... yep. Naranda was where I was born. Nice to see somebody from Naranda calling up. <laughs> oh, lovely day here, it's a lovely day. <laughs> what, what have you got for us, Gary? We've got cauliflowers
5: growing, but they, the heads aren't compact. The heads are very loose, and there's sort of uh,
0: gaps between all of the little bits of cauliflower. Um, I, I don't want to throw them out. Can
6: I still eat them?
2: <laughs> yes, you, you can still eat them. And, in fact, they're actually... Um, uh, a bit like the, the broccolini, you know, the little heads of the, the small broccoli. They're actually developing this little um, product now. I can't remember the name of it, um, but uh, it's the same thing with cauliflower. They're like cauliflower florets, if you like. So okay. still edible, uh, quite fashionable, and um, you're probably onto a, a thing already, Gary. <laughs> Did
5: I grow it too quickly or was it just too slowly growing?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh are they in full sun?
6: They are.
2: They're in full sun, yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe, it, maybe it was just grown too quickly and they've just um, divided. The, the, if they're floppy, you know, the, the heads aren't firm enough. Could have been a over nitrogen fertiliser use, maybe have uh, pushed them along too quickly.
5: Okay. The wife The wife was right.
2: <laughs>
1: the, oh. <laughs> the wife was right. Oh, is she listening right now, Gary, or will you break that news to her later? Uh-huh.
0: He is listening, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But- Always right, anyway. <laughs> they,
2: they, they always good, are good right, anthem.
1: Gary. Good yeah. anthem there, Gary. <laughs> yeah. um, congratulations, Mrs. Gary. Have a good day. Thank you for have your call. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty four 720. Four minutes to ten. Sneaky call in. Some more uh, suggestions about uh, deterring rats. Lynn says owl foil. And Rick from Bailing Up said python poo, if you can get hold of it
6: wow, as
1: well. Yeah, which is certainly something that I would not have thought of. Um, <laughs> Sophie in Wembley sent us a text, my small blue. Ash in a huge pot has a few leaves like this, could you please advise and um, the leaves themselves kind of have like a peach colored spot with a few purple spots, quite pretty, but probably not good for the plant i 'm guessing mark
2: no, it looks a little bit a little bit fungal. The fact that um, the insides have just dropped out on them. The new growth on the plant looks pretty good though, so mm. i 'd suggest those old leaves had been attacked or at some point in time, I don't think it's going to be detrimental. I th- don't think you'll need to spray or do anything with it because the, that new growth looks, still looks good. So don't worry about it, Sophie. You'll be right.
1: Okay, let's go to Jerry in Margaret River. Hi, Jerry.
6: Hi, it's Terry, not Jerry. Terry, like... <laughs>
1: sorry about that. Tell
6: us. I <laughs> um, just want to ask you on gardenias. Um, they've gone all scruffy and horrible, so I've, I've dug dug in to put some little fruit trees in because I don't really like them that much. Anyway, I, when I got in, they all di- there's all different types going everywhere. So I've taken them out. Will they shoot again if I put them somewhere else?
2: The, the gardenias you're talking about?
6: Yeah, they're actually split up. They just split away from each other. They're all scruffy. And I've um, put them elsewhere. Will they be all right if I cut them back?
2: Uh, yeah, don't cut them back too bad. If you're transplanting them, you don't want to prune them too hard. Um, make sure when you do transplant them, keep them at the same level again, but, uh, yeah, don't butcher them too much, I guess, Yeah, because they're only small plants, wouldn't they
6: be? Oh, these ended up big and scraggly, they're not, they're not good at all. Oh, okay. So I've actually got heaps out of the one plant and just gone around and said anyone wants them, and, um, I'm putting little fruit trees in, but the thing is, the soil was real clay, is that good? Like, so, uh, clay and, uh copy rock type saw you
2: know yeah probably not if it's low lying and if it gets waterlogged make sure it's they like an acidic saw that's free draining so they don't like wet feet okay
1: uh thank you for the question terry uh peter in balajura is it too late to prune grapevines
2: oh they're starting to shoot now um No, you can still do it now. Uh, You might be getting a little bit of the sap flow, it's starting to flow, but you can still prune them, yes. Okay. have a go.
1: And can I plant broccoli that I buy at the supermarket and expect it to grow?
2: At the supermarket? No. How would you, could you do it? No. No? Not really, no.
1: Okay.
2: Buy it it at the garden centre and plant some new ones.
1: Got to do it from seed. Before. Uh, And one more question. Karen, could you please advise me of the best pomegranate trees to grow? for flavour in the Bunbury area, and do they all have spikes?
2: Right, and pomegranates, deciduous plants, there are named varieties um, of them. There's one called Wonderful from memory. Uh, There's one called Groshtonavoya or something like that. Um, Probably speak to Wonderful, buy that one.
1: All right. Uh, mark, I have to say thank you so much for filling in for Sabrina over the last few weeks uh, on my show and on Jules Afternoons too and, and for bringing in all the plants that you do because it just brightens up the office. I think it's wonderful.
2: No worries. It's a pleasure being here. Thanks.
1: We'll see you again soon. Uh, mark Tuchek from Tucker Bush. Have a great weekend. I'll catch you next Saturday.
0: Steve Rossich, is there a pass mark for this season as far as you're concerned with Freya's results? Sports Talk in the Liverpool- part of the program. 10am Saturday, ABC Radio. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.